now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy Rich Hill as week one of the NFL season is at last upon us after a long and tumultuous offseason. It is here. Who knows how long it's going to last, but we'll worry about that when it happens. Rich, are you ready for some football, as Hank Williams would say? Oh, man. Uh, no. No, no, I am not. <laughs> Fair I, enough. I am. I feel like I'm getting into the main course without even looking at the bread bowl. I, I have no idea what's going on. I can't believe football is tomorrow. Texans yeah. at Chiefs, 820. It really snuck up without having that preseason schedule. It's kind of interesting how used to the the flow of the offseason I've become with, you know, you have the camps, then you have the games, and then you have the fourth preseason game, which really doesn't matter that much, but it matters a lot to the people on the fringe of the roster, but you get to enjoy it as being that last uh, breath before the start of the season, and now none of that happened, and I am just absolutely not ready for the games to start, Alec. I just, I'm just, I'm just not. No, I mean, I'm with you, man. It's funny. I feel like I've been as vocal as anybody about how useless the preseason is and how it's a waste of time and all that crap. And now it's gone. And I kind of got my wish and I miss it. And I wanted it back because, yeah, it's a chance to kind of get to know some guys a little bit and, and enjoy some rostered camp battles and, and see who your preseason darlings are. And there really isn't a Jacoby Myers this year. You know, there, I guess there's J.J. Taylor, the running back. But there really wasn't that, like, one guy we all fell in love with early on that we get excited to see play. Uh, and that's just kind of the way it is. And before we know it, uh, football is upon us. The Patriots roster has been decided. They are playing Miami Dolphins on Sunday. So uh, we got a lot to cover today. Which we want to start? Yeah, I mean, let's break down the roster here. And I, let's start with J.J. Taylor, as you mentioned. Uh, this is the first year since, I want to say, 2003 that an undrafted rookie did not make the initial 53-man roster for the Patriots because Taylor was originally on the practice squad as the Patriots needed the roster spots to put uh, a couple players on the injured reserve. So Damian Harris is on the injury reserve, and so is Bo Allen on the defensive line. And so there were no undrafted drafted rookies making the initial roster which is a little bit of a surprise but overall and I'm bearing the lead here but when you see the Patriots offense right now what jumps out to you with regards to who the personnel is that they have available and what are they possibly missing yeah I mean I think the I can apply this probably to the defense as well not as much as the offense but I think the one word to describe the Patriots offense in 2020 is youth there are a lot of young guys on this team, uh, third year and under. A lot of rookies that are being asked to impact right away. A lot of second-year guys being asked to make a very significant leap between year one and year two. And third-year guys expected to carry the offense. So I think this is a Patriots offense that's going to go as far as the quarterback and their young guys can carry them. Sometimes that's great. Sometimes can step up and become that, that veteran leader earlier than expected. Uh, but sometimes the youth inexperience gets the better of them. Uh, luckily for the Patriots, they're a pretty solid coaching staff in place and knows how to coach up young guys. But there's just so many young unknowns on this roster that even as somebody who covers the Patriots for well, a long time now, I, I can't accurately gauge what they're going to bring to the table because there isn't a lot of game film on these guys. And I don't really know how well they're going to make that year one to year two leap with such a limited offseason. So there's so many unknowns going into this year, and they, that's made doubly so by how inexperienced overall the team is. Oh, I mean, that's such a good point. You look at all of the possible receivers on this team, and outside of Julian Edelman, you have no knowledge of what they're going to bring to the table. I mean, at wide receiver, 
we don't know what Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers or Gunnar Olszewski, all in their second season, are going to bring to this group. And then Demir Bird is a new offseason acquisition. No clue how these players are going to perform in their in their first or second year with the team. And then you go to the tight end, you have Ryan Izzo, who you know hasn't really made much of an impact. He's entering his third season with the team. But then you have uh, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, who are the rookies, and... Uh, who knows how much of an impact they're going to be able to make in the rookie year because tight end is a position that generally takes a year or two for players to really acclimate into the NFL. And so they are going to be relying on a lot of new faces once you get beyond Julian Edelman. And so, you know what, when it comes to the passing game, I think Edelman and then James White are going to be the favorite targets of Alec. You mentioned this. Who is the quarterback going to be for the Patriots? Cam Newton. Cam Newton got the start, uh, for now, at least, until he gets hurt or sick or both. But uh, I always kind of thought he'd win the starting job. They were very tight-lipped about it. But Cam Newton will be under center on Sunday. Very curious, excited, a little bit nervous to see what the Patriots are able to do with him and his very unique skill set. And you mentioned his receiving core is very unique this year. Uh, Obviously, Edelman is the most experienced receiver. He has 599 career catches. Uh, the second most experienced receiver in terms of receptions is Bird with 44. Um, so that is quite a big disparity between the number one and number two uh, in terms of receptions, at least. And so that's a huge unknown. I'm seeing a lot of running early. Uh, I don't know how much the tight ends get involved because you mentioned they're rookies. But if I had to guess, I think just based on this roster, it's going to be a running team first. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I, I think that the running backs are going to really miss Damian Harris, who was projected to be the top guy in camp. Uh, he, he was really coming on strong, but he had a hand wrist injury. So he's going to be missing at least the first three weeks of the season. But that just reopens the door for Sony Michelle to take over the top spot, rotating in and out with Rex Burkhead, who's likely going to be playing in the red zone. And then you'll have James White. James White, in my mind, is going to be the engine of this Patriots offense because when Cam Newton was at his most efficient at the beginning of 2018, he was incorporating Christian McCaffrey into the offense of the Panthers as much as possible. McCaffrey, obviously the most talented running back in the entire league, so he was able to be super productive. Uh, James White, definitely not that type of player, but he's still very good. He's okay at running the ball, but he is exceptional at catching the ball out of the backfield. And So I expect Cam Newton to rely on James White as a receiver early and often to help move the chains and set the tempos for, you know, whether or not James White runs out of the draw or you have Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead coming on the field to run with a little bit more power behind Jakob Johnson. And so I definitely think this running team is going to be what carries this Patriots offense, whether as, you know, rushing or receiving, this running back group is going to carry them. Uh, And then also, they're going to go as far as the strength of this offense can go, in my mind, which is the offensive line. And you look from you know left to right, you have Isaiah Wynn, you have Joe Tooney, David Andrews, uh, you have Shaq Mason, and then the favorite to be at right tackle is uh, Jermaine Illuminor. So you have that offensive line right there, four out of five returning starters. Uh, theoretically, Andrews didn't start last year, but you know he's always been the starter. So you have a lot of consistency there. You have a lot of strength. And so when you have such a mobile quarterback like Cam Newton and the depth of your offensive skill players are at running back, this offensive line is really going to have to set the tone early for the, the offense. 
Yeah, it's funny. The Patriots kept 10 offensive linemen. So every single position has a backup, uh, either whether it's just unsure about how well that unit's going to gel or the probability that at least one of them's going to get sick because they're just mashing faces every single play with defensive linemen. Uh, I'm very curious to see how what the logic behind that was. But I think that lineup you just mentioned, Rich, is the lineup that Illuminor is the guy at right tackle. He seems to be the guy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously I think with any really strong team, uh, the offensive line is a, a key part, especially – if running the ball is going to be a, a major focus, running the ball and getting out of the backfield quickly to the receiving backs, maybe quick outs to Edelman and, and Gunner and, and guys like that. Uh, but you mentioned how uh, Sonny Michel, it's his time to step up with Damian Harris on the early short-term IR. Uh, were you surprised at all, Rich, that Lamar Miller ended up getting cut altogether as opposed to like temporary IR? And if so, is he the most surprising roster cut for you? Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised because it seems like they didn't really give him a chance to make the team. You know, you, you have him on the injured reserve and then you activate him for like five practices or something like that. You know, I, I feel like you don't that's not really giving him the opportunity to acclimate to the Patriots offense. And then also, you know, if he can learn the, how everything works and return in the middle of the season and then they can make the act decision whether to, to roster him or, you know, set him aside for the rest of the year and try again next year. So I was a little bit surprised by that. But obviously the biggest surprise for me is Mohamed Sanu not making the roster of all of the Patriots roster cuts. It might not be. I mean, it's clearly the most disappointing because the Patriots gave up a second round pick for him to get like two catches in 20 yards. It was unbelievable. One of the worst trades of the Bill Belichick era. Uh, but I'm shocked that they didn't even give him the opportunity to have a full offseason with the team. No, I agree. Mohamed Sanu is definitely the biggest shock. Uh, I figure, especially with the, the amount of inexperience on the receiving core outside of Julian Edelman, you at least want one other veteran body in the, uh, the training room. If nothing else, breaking down film, helping him out. And it's funny because Belichick was after him for so many years. Mm-hmm. When he was with Cincy, he wanted him. Then he went to Atlanta. He almost came to the Patriots. Then they tried to trade for him a couple times. Usually when Belichick wants a guy that bad, he knows what he's doing. And he figures he's got the football IQ to, to make it into the, the system. But there's something about Sanu just never quite found his ground. We'll just add him to the Chad Ochocincos and the Joey Galloways and the yep. Doug Gabriels of the world. That just They were good players, very solid elsewhere, but just could not for whatever reason – pick up the system and I can't help but wonder if he, him being such a late cut from the Patriots they gave him every opportunity and now that he's gone maybe the coaching staff find themselves in a little bit of a hole at receiver and maybe we'll see some mid-season trades or acquisitions down the line depending on how things shake out yeah I mean I think there's also that element of what you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is that they're just going to let the young guys you know kind of live or die this year you know they, they have three players in Harry Myers and Olszewski that theoretically at their peak you know, at their ideal state could be an outstanding offense. You know, you have Nikhil Harry, who would be a really good prototypical outside wide receiver. You have Myers, who'd be a really good inside outside Edelman type mold. Then you have Gunnar Olszewski, who would be an amazing guy in the slot. So at their top ideal state, these are young guys that could really emerge and add in the tight ends. Uh, that gives them a lot of flexibility if they all reach their full potential. And with this season kind of just being thrown away, uh, by just, you know, I mean, clearly the Patriots have the second most cap space in the entire league right now. They're trying to roll over as much as possible to next season. They're trying to, you know, this is a, a holding pattern season for the Patriots. If they compete, that's great. But I, I think that this is going to be an opportunity for the young guys to really show what they're made of. And if it works, it's great. And if it's not, well, you know, you have a bunch of older players like Edelman and also uh, the players on the defense that you're just going to say, you know what? Let's just rebuild and start over because there's not a lot to work with.
It's true. Uh, less so on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like the secondary is more or less intact, minus some opt-out players. You've got Kyle Duggar in there. You've lost Kyle Van Noy. You've lost the Landon Roberts. So there's definitely some youth on the linebacker core. But in re- relation to the offense, I feel like the defense has a lot more experience. And I also feel like if the pages are going to make any kind of noise this season, it will once again be on the backs of the de- defense. Totally. I completely agree with that. I mean, like you, you see the secondary will continue to be a strength. And when I say that, uh, you know, if, if the young guys don't emerge, then they'll have to move on from some of the older players on defense. That's looking at the Devin McCourty's, the Jason McCourty's, two of the captains on the team. Yeah, you add Patrick Chung, who's on the reserve, who's not playing this year. But you have a lot of younger talent there with like J.C. Jackson and Jonathan Jones. But I think that if the team doesn't compete, you move on from some of the older players, you move forward with the younger players and say, this is where we're moving forward from. Um, but continuing with the secondary, Alec, are there any surprises for you here? Because I'm kind of surprised that Jojuan Williams uh, made the team uh, just because I think that there are other players on the practice squad right now who outplayed him in practice with Miles Bryant, uh, most notable of them. But it seems like Jojuan Williams is playing a little bit of special teams, a little bit of safety, a little bit of cornerback as the New England is trying to figure out what this 6'4", 220-pound player can do. Yeah, no, I think he's a bit of a surprise, and it might be a combination, Rich, of a couple things. I think he's a big corner. He, I think he's the biggest corner on the team uh, in terms of size. He's 6'3", he's 215 pounds. They really don't have a, 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 a cornerback of that size. Stephon Gilmore is about 6 feet, 6'1", so he adds some size to the cornerback position. The Patriots haven't really seen since, uh, since Brandon Browner, really. Uh, and added to that, he's a second-round pick. Uh, he had a disappointing or didn't really have a chance to shine, I guess, in 20, in 2019. Uh, the secondary was just so good, and J.C. Jackson came out of nowhere, as a cornerback seems to do every single season. Stephon Gilmore was Defensive Player of the Year. Jason McCourty was solid. They had a lot of pieces in place that really didn't give him a chance to get in the door, and maybe so him being a second-round pick, they're to give him an extra shot. And then maybe in fairness to him, he had a very limited offseason, didn't really have a chance to get any preseason games in. He didn't really have a chance to get the practices or the film study or things that players usually get in that year one to year two jump. And so they're being made a little more lenient with him uh, based on all those factors. But as you mentioned, there are some really talented guys on the practice squad. So maybe he's on the team, but the leash is pretty short. And we might see him maybe a practice squad kind of swap as things go on. Yeah, because there's definitely going to be a lot of fluidity between the practice squad and the the active roster just because of how the rules are this year with players being able to move back and forth without being subject to waivers, you know, some of them. And I mean, like even the Patriots are taking advantage of that right now. Uh, Not much to break down on the special team side of things, but Nick Folk and Justin Warwasser are both on the practice squad with uh, Nick Folk being the well, he was temporarily the oldest practice squad player for the longest time uh, until Josh McCown signed to the practice squad of the Philadelphia Eagles. So you have some guy who's about 75 years old on the Patriots practice squad. <laughs> They'll be moving back and forth. I completely agree that John Williams is, uh, you know, probably the last defensive back on this roster. And there are some guys nipping at his heels. Uh, looking at the defensive front seven, uh, when you when you see how the Patriots approached it, they definitely went defensive line heavy and linebacker light. Of of the true off the ball linebackers, you have Juwan Bentley, Cash Maluya, and then Josh Uche. Those are like the only three true ones. With Anthony Jennings showing some opportunity there as like that uh, heavier outside linebacker sort of player, but more of like the edge and the five man front. When you see this decision by the Patriots, what goes through your mind with how you think? Uh, Belichick is strategizing the roster build. 
Yeah, I think that also might speak to the point about Jawan Bentley. Maybe Jawan Bentley will be transitioned into kind of the Pat Chung role. And maybe we'll see Jawan Bentley and Kyle Duggar, perhaps, as kind of a bigger in-the-box linebacker safety hybrid. Because uh, there are very limited in their linebackers, particularly coverage linebacker. could be a real liability for the Patriots this year. They struggled with it in the past. They had a good, solid Q last year. But uh, guys that can cover tight ends, guys that can cover mobile receiving backs, I don't really see a lot of talent there. So this might be a lot of kind of like big nickel looks with a lot of big guys up front and then three safeties, one of them in the box. Uh, I can definitely see the the safety role being much more prominent this season. And it makes me kind of – I understand it and I support it. But I wish Pat Chung was playing this season because I feel like this is the kind of defensive scheme he'd really shine in. Oh, I completely agree. I think that's such a good point that that's how the safeties will be utilized because uh, someone has to play at linebacker and someone has to cover the running backs. And I don't trust trust a, a couple of rookies to do it. And Bentley is very good at it, but he can't do literally everything. There's only one of him in that defense. So whether it's a Kyle Duggar or an Adrian Phillips, someone's out there that should be in the box from the safety position. I agree. I think that they'll go, you know, five uh, heavy on the defensive front. And then they'll have one or two linebackers, and then the rest will be defensive backs. Uh, and, and I think when you look at that defensive front, though, I'm a little curious to know how the Patriots are going to sustain their heavier fronts. Because you have Adam Butler, Byron Cowart, and Lawrence Guy as your only three defensive tackles on the roster. And Butler's a little bit on the smaller side, and Cowart is very inexperienced. So you're really relying on Guy to do a lot. Uh, out there and there's not a true nose tackle on this roster so you're going to have someone who's typically more of a penetrating defensive tackle being asked to eat up some space in the middle unless of course Bill Belichick throws a wrench into it and says you know what we're going to change our entire defensive scheme from the two gapping defensive line option that we normally play and say everyone just try and get up the field (laughs) and let some of our faster secondary players clean up so there's a lot of question marks in my mind with how the the kind of skill sets of the players in the defensive front fit into what Belichick typically likes to do. No, I agree with that, especially if you go back to the last game the Patriots played in 20, I guess early 2020, but the 2019 season, where Derrick Henry, a big running back, just bowled over the mm-hmm. entire defense for about 500 yards, and they were much <laughs> bigger, much fatter, much heavier last season than they were this season. So if this current defensive unit, um, as it stands, goes up against a big bruising back, I have similar expectations for that, how the game's going to go, um, just running over the team. So maybe they're going to completely shift the philosophy. Maybe Belichick has some new defensive scheme he's never thought of before. Maybe the 46 Bears defense is coming back. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but I, I do think whatever defensive iteration we see out of this Patriots team will probably look nothing like what we saw last year. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you look at the strength of this roster, uh, of this defensive roster, and you say, all right, they're super good in the secondary. That's where the Patriots have chosen to invest all of their roster capital there. And they are now all of a sudden super strong on the edge. You know, you have, you're running seven deep with your edge rushers, with John Simon, Chase Winovich as your starters. You have uh, Shalit Calhoun, Brandon Copeland, Adam Dietrich Wise, Derek Rivers made the roster, and then you have rookie Anthony Jen. So you have seven players that could be potentially rotating in on the edge, uh, maybe playing some of the off-the-ball linebacker, because that's what John Simon and Chase Winovich can kind of do a little bit of, although I wouldn't want to, to ask them to play too far out of position. But when it comes to how can Bill Belichick structure this defense, 
yeah, the strengths are very different from what they have been in past years. They don't have that interior depth. They don't have that linebacker strength on the inside. And where the strength comes is on the edge. And so, honestly, this could be a much more attacking defense. And Bill Belichick, I mean, he is the best in the business at adjusting to what skills and strengths exist on the roster. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we're just dropping our jaws at the start of the season with, oh my gosh, this defense is nothing like we've seen before, but it's going to be so much fun to watch. The good news, Rich Hill, is we only have a couple days to wait till we see exactly what Belichick has in store. Uh, looking forward to breaking down week one of Patriots, Dolphins, and the rest of the games going on this week in just a minute. All right, we are back. The roster is set. The first official game of 2020 is tomorrow at 8:20. I believe the Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, host the Houston Texans. Week one is underway. Patriots play the Dolphins at 1 p.m. Eastern at Gillette Stadium, a Gillette Stadium totally devoid of fans, as are most football stadiums this year, at least to start the season. Uh, as always, Rich, we're going to break down Patriots versus Dolphins, but first. Let's go around the league and talk about any games in week one you're particularly excited to see. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the very first one is going to be a very good game. Uh, Texans at Chiefs. You have Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson playing against each other, the two highest paid quarterbacks in the entire league. Uh, I, I think that the Chiefs have the best roster right now in the NFL with regards to talent. Their offense was obviously one of the most talented in the league, and then they added the best running back in my mind in the draft uh, who is going to really be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. There's just too much talent to stop on that offensive side. If there's any weakness, it'll come down to their defense, and the Texans have shown the ability to go punch for punch with the Chiefs in the past, so that will be very interesting to see if the Chiefs can hold off the, the Houston Texans. And, you know, honestly, in my mind, the Texans traded away DeAndre Hopkins and brought in David Johnson. Blows my mind. One of the weirdest trades of the offseason really reinforces that the Patriots messed up by going for Mohamed Sanu as opposed to DeAndre Hopkins. But, uh, you know, what? it is what it is. And I, I think that the Texans under Bill O'Brien, they are consistently in the running for that number four, possibly number three seed in the playoffs. And so if there is a team that can give the Chiefs a run for the money in the opening week of the season, it's going to be the Texans. Yeah, it's funny. I had completely forgotten about the Hopkins trade until you mentioned that. That's just such like a non-starter for me. Like, they'd never trade Hopkins. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Again, these are also uh, offenses that are very dynamic. They're very explosive. And a lot of those offenses are timing-based. And how much time do they have to get their timing down in a limited offseason? Uh, I think it's going to be a little sloppy game, but I think it's going to be really exciting. And I imagine it's going to be a lot of big plays, which is, which is a great way to kick off the season. Uh, I'm very excited for that as well. Uh, there's a game I'm particularly interested in. Uh, it's at 425, uh, Buccaneer Saints. Uh, they play each other twice a season. Uh, that's obviously a game that most Patriots fans are going to be tuning into in some capacity. It is the first ever of the bi-yearly or twice-a-year Drew Brees versus Tom Brady showdown that we almost got when Brees was a head's hair away from going to the Dolphins, if you remember your history. Um, this is the kind of matchup we could have gotten twice a year as Patriots fans, but we now have Brady and Gronk down in Tampa Bay taking on Drew Brees in New Orleans. Do you want to talk about this? Does it hurt too much? You know, I, I'm kind of in a good spot for this. I feel like I'm happy for Brady and Gronk and everything that's happening down in Tampa Bay. I kind of, I'm already moved on. I'm like very content with 
with going forward with it. And so let's break it down from just like a regular standpoint. This is a Saints team that has a lot of talent. They've been contending for the past couple of years once Drew Brees, you know, decided to continue to be the most efficiently absurd quarterback in the league, setting completion percentage record after completion percentage record. Alvin Kamara, one of the most exciting running backs in the entire league. The Saints have continued to build uh, on their defense. And then you have this Bucks team that has a whole bunch of new talent that they've brought in. You know, they, they've had some of the players with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait on offense, but they've brought in a bunch of new faces like this Tom Brady fella. They brought in Gronkowski. They added Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy on offense. This is a team that I honestly, they, they could go 14 and two over the course of the regular season. They could also go five and 11 and I wouldn't be shocked just if everything's all the wheels just fall off. So this will be our very first look of, of Tom Brady and the cream skulls. Uh, if he's, you know, I don't know if they're actually wearing that, but I want him to. <laughs> and it's just going to be exciting to see just like him getting a fresh start. No, I mean, look, we always dub the sun, uh, the Monday after week one to be overreaction Monday because people just take what happens in week one and multiply it by an entire season, even though it's completely different and unnecessary. That's going to be so much more magnified this oh coming gosh. Monday um, because there's no preseason. There's no, and this isn't just the Patriots uh, or the Buccaneers. Just like every single thing that happens in the NFL between Thursday and, and Sunday night is going to be just so magnified and absurd. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it'll be really fun to watch, but it, it's a lot of unknowns all over the place. But just the fact that we're going to see Tom Brady take a snap as a Buccaneer. I'm with you. I'm over it. I've accepted it. I've moved on. I'm happy for Tom Brady. That team is just so loaded. And if things work out the way I'd like it to, I just don't know how you stop that offense. Like, do you double Godwin or do you double Evans or how, what, you, do you double McCoy out of the backfield? Like, there's just so many options for a quarterback who sees the field the way Tom Brady does. Uh, I wish him nothing but luck down there, and hopefully we will see him in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl. Well, boy, would that make people upset. <laughs> Tom Brady playing a home game against Bill Belichick. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that would just be an amazing thing to see. It really would be. And I mean, I'm also curious to see how Gronk is in his return, because I, I think that there's a little bit of, uh, you know, forgetting of history due to him sitting out last year and the fact that he was not the same player in 2018 that he was in previous years. But he was still a top five tight end. You know, he, he was yeah. still outstanding. And uh, he maybe wasn't the same receiver, but he also wasn't surrounded by the same talent that he had been in previous years. And a top five tight end in Gronkowski, where he's still the best blocking tight end in the league. If you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin drawing away attention and you're giving Gronkowski more favorable matchups, maybe he's going to continue to produce at that level that we used to know uh and and honestly you talked about overreaction monday that's absolutely what's going to happen because you have brady throwing it to godwin and evans and gronkowski with mccoy coming out of the backfield uh as well as leonard fournette you have all of this talent over there in tampa bay so if tom brady does well and cam newton does not as he's throwing it to gunner olszewski and dalton keen I'm sure people are just going to be like, why did we let Tom Brady go? Even oh, though yeah. it's just such a hard comparison to make because you're talking about the most talented offensive roster in the league in Tampa and honestly one of the bottom five talents in New England. Yeah, it's going to be insufferable. And it's also the kind of thing where you'll have your Brady apologist. If he doesn't do well, it's like, well, he's 43 years old. What do you expect? And if he does well, it's like, of course he did well. Look at his roster. So he can't win in that respect no matter what. And Belichick can't win no matter what. 
everything has to go perfectly for anybody to have their mouth shut about how it works out. It's just not going to happen. So I would advise anybody who's anybody to just not listen to anything besides Pat's pulpit come, come Monday because <laughs> everyone else is going to be off their rocker. Um, one game I was really excited to see, actually, now I'm kind of heartbroken about it, was Titans versus the Broncos Monday night. Uh, Von Miller is out for the mm-hmm. year, apparently, with a tendon injury in his ankle, which is absolutely brutal. He's in a, one of the best players in the league, and that really sucks. Every offseason, there's some – every preseason, I should say, there's, there's some injury like this where some stud goes down with a non-contact injury and is out before the season even starts. And the Titans beat the Patriots in the playoffs last year. They made a pretty decent run. They brought some talent in. Damian Clowney's now a Titan. I wonder what this is going to do for the impact of the league as a whole. And I also wonder, Rich, if we're going to see a lot more injuries like this this season, unfortunately, because players just aren't as ready as they used to be. Yeah, I mean, that's something that a lot of the players talk about is that need to have that preseason contact to acclimate them back to the the NFL speeds and the NFL contact. So be very interesting to see how that affects the players this year. Hopefully no one gets hurt and, uh, you know, everyone's able to stay as healthy as they can be. Um, but... We'll, we'll have to see that as the season plays out. First, they have to get through that first week. So let's look at the Patriots and Dolphins right now, Alec. When, when you see you know, all of the former Patriots that have joined this Dolphins roster, you go top to bottom. Uh, you, you have players like Ted Karras, who's a captain for them. You have Kyle Van Noy and Alandon Roberts, who are captains for them. You have Camus Grugier-Hill, another linebacker for them. Uh, you have Eric Rowe in the secondary uh, you have all of these players there with adding in a head coach in in uh, Brian Flores. Are you are you ready to see how they could possibly match up with the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, again, the Dolphins beat the Patriots last season in Gillette to bump them out of that two seed. And I think they've gotten better. Uh, they added to Tagliavoa, who's one of the top picks in the draft. Obviously, Fitzpatrick's getting the start this coming Sunday. But I think the, the Dolphins are, are a good team. And I think that for the first time since 2008 when Tom Brady went down, the AFC East is up for grabs completely. Uh, the Bills are going to be strong contenders. The Dolphins are looking up to a hot start. They've got some really solid pieces on both sides of the ball. I think you can literally now field an entire roster from coach down to punter with former Patriots that are playing elsewhere in the league. And the Dolphins have kind of gotten in on the Titans-Texans bandwagon, and they've brought some really solid guys in. I think that the Dolphins are going to be a a not maybe not a force to contend with, but they've got a lot of talented players. They've got a good knowledge of how the Patriots do things with Brian Flores being the former defensive coordinator. And while the Patriots usually beat the Dolphins early in the season, the Dolphins beat the Patriots late in the season in Miami. Uh, things could be flip flop this year, and I'm not quite sure what to expect. To be honest with you, yeah, seriously. I mean, you you look at how the, they'll have Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback. Honestly, right now he's uh, the most lately productive quarterback in the division. I mean, it's kind of a it's all completely up in the air. Ryan Fitzpatrick could either be the best or the worst. But I you you in my mind look at the kind of players that the Dolphins have and how they match up against the Patriots and specifically I'm looking at their secondary where they have one of the best duos in the league in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones uh, at cornerback and so I have a very hard time seeing a young player like Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers or Gunnar Olszewski breaking free. Uh, I think Edelman will be fine but I have a hard time seeing those players generating any separation for Cam Newton and so when it comes to how the Patriots offense is going to attack this Dolphins defense, 
I'm looking towards the running game. We talked about this in the first half of the podcast about how the Patriots offense is going to go through the running backs. And I say, okay, there's not a lot of elite talent up the middle of this Dolphins roster. I mean, you have uh, you know Christian Wilkins, who's a top talent, but he's young. He still needs to show a lot. Uh, Raquan Davis is a rookie, and then uh, Devon Gotchaw is you know a good enough player. But I, I think that if I am Bill Belichick, if I am Josh McDaniels, I'm going to try and stress this defensive front of this Miami Dolphins team and try and win in a low-scoring game. I think low-scoring game is the name of the game. I agree with that completely. Uh, I think that you don't really want to test, especially, again, with limited practices. And I'm not sure what the timing is with Nikhil Harry, even Julian Edelman. You know, Julian Edelman is such a good receiver because him and Tom Brady were always on the same page due to years of playing together. I'm not sure that's there with Cam Newton and Julian Edelman. How could it be? So a lot of these routes that are going to be run are going to be maybe a little short, a little predictable. And if you have a really good secondary – uh, I would not rely on that either, um, and so I think it's going to be a very run-heavy game. Maybe a lot of high-percentage passes out of the backfield, a lot of quick little screens, um, which is why I'm actually picking Devin Asiasi, rookie, as my mm. offensive X-factor uh, in this game. I'm not expecting a big production out of him as a receiver, but as an outlet, uh, as a blocker, as maybe a move tight end to move the packages around to help Cam Newton read the defense. I think if he gets incorporated well, I think he could really help move the offense forward and allow James White and allow Sonny Michelle and allow Rex Burkhead uh, to really be productive because he can have being the chip guy, he can be the outlet receiver, and he can allow guys to get downfield. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I, I was going to stay in the same general positional group and point at Jakob Johnson, uh, who yeah. is going to be the fullback. I'm curious to know if how much the Patriots use a fullback with Cam Newton in the backfield and whether Cam will kind of serve as that uh, additional advantage for the Patriots running game as defenses have to account for him. Uh, but if Jakob Johnson can come in in his you know first year as a starter at fullback, uh, how he'll be able to pre- uh, replace James Devlin will really impact how this Patriots rushing attack goes and impact how this, this New England team can continue to move the ball, if at all, against this Dolphins defense. So if we're going to stick with the running game, I think we both agree that running game is going to be how the Patriots win. Uh, if you had to pick uh, either Sony Michelle or Rex Burkhead to get the bulk of the carries, who are you going with based on the matchup? Oh, man. I mean, I would go with Rex Burkhead just because Michelle has missed a lot of camp time. Uh, and so that's just why I think Burkhead would have the inside lane. But I, I think James White is going to outtouch all of them. Uh, he might have a fewer rushing attempts, but I think when you, you look at the targets and the checkdowns that Cam Newton's going to provide, I think White's going to be the guy who's going to be the engine for this offense more so than Michelle and more so than Burkhead. And how about Cam Newton? You getting a lot of QB runs directly, or is he more scrambling? Think of many, how many like actually QB design run plays will Josh McDaniels dial up on Sunday? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I, I think there's, uh, I mean, you look at how frequently these quarterbacks that are considered mobile, how often they run. It's between like five and seven a game. It's not like they're running every single game. I know Lamar Jackson kind of changes how people perceive it. But generally speaking, the quarterbacks that you consider to be mobile, like the Steve Youngs of the world, the Randall Cunninghams, uh, they're running six to eight times. So I, I would say I would put Newton firmly in the designed runs about six times, five times, and then there will be a couple other breakdown plays where he might take off. But I would say there's not going to be too many design runs uh, as you might expect, but instead they'll, they'll be trying to do a lot of bootlegs, a lot of rollouts for Newton to get into space, and hopefully that'll stress the, the Dolphins' defense to open up other passing lanes because, remember, 
who is the quarterback that continually gave Bill Belichick and his defenses the most trouble due to his ability to buy time and allow receivers to get open down the field? Because once you start playing that backyard street football, a lot of the you know tendencies for the defense kind of goes out the window because you're you're just trying to stick to your man as opposed to read the routes. So it's going to be Cam Newton. So as as much as Brian Flores knows how the the Patriots like to operate, Bill Belichick also knows how uh, the Patriots defense typically operates and how to to kind of attack it. And I think that's where Newton will kind of provide the most benefit. So who gets the most receptions? I think James White is the obvious answer, but for receivers, which receiver do you think gets the most catches on Sunday? Edelman because he's the most experienced, or will they zero in on Edelman knowing he's most experienced and allow a younger guy to open it up? Yeah, I mean, I think Edelman will get it just because he's the the top receiver in there, and even if the, the Dolphins dedicate their defensive resources to him, and I expect they will. I expect them to double him, bracket him at every single turn, because if you stopped him last year, the Patriots offense couldn't do anything. But I think that's more of a testament to the fact that I don't think that the other Patriots receivers are quite ready to step up and do more than Edelman. So Edelman might lead the team with like five or six receptions. Uh, And I think, you know, Harry Myers, Olszewski, Bird, they all might have two to four apiece. Yeah, this will be probably a low-scoring, low-reception game, which, of course, means it's going to be 44-36. to 36, <laughs> and, But that's just the way it works. Uh, good enough transitions to any Patriots defense against this Dolphins offense. Again, the biggest X factor for me is Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is the Patriots <laughs> defense. Which, which one shows up, I have no idea. Um, but let's assume he's going to be his – if Fitz Magic is coming out in, in week one, it's not going to be Fitz Tragic. But we just don't know. Um, if you are the Patriots defense going up against a – serviceable, not great, but good Miami offensive package. Uh, what's your overall strategy here? What are you trying to do? Yeah, I mean, you have Devontae Parker, who is dealing with a hamstring injury right now, but it looks like he's going to be on pace to play. He's definitely their top receiver, and that's who Stephon Gilmore has had penciled onto his schedule for the entire offseason. So I expect that to be a very good matchup. But then you you look at their other receivers. Jakeem Grant always gives the Patriots trouble uh, just on a play or two, but Preston Williams is going to be the likely number two receiver receiver uh, with Isaiah Ford getting some opportunities as well. I think that the Patriots really have the advantage in the wide receiver cornerback battle, but looking at the top player that I think the Dolphins could give the Patriots trouble with, it's tight end Mike Giusecki, who is a few years out of Penn State. He really came on strongly down the stretch last year, and with Patrick Chung not playing for the Patriots, New England's really going to have to rely on somebody who doesn't really have as much experience in the New England defense. And so is it going to be Devin McCourty that's going to be asked to cover him, or are the Patriots going to adjust some of their players and say, uh, you know, Terrence Brooks, that's going to be your responsibility. Adrian Phillips, I know you missed a lot of the offseason. Maybe you'll be covering the tight ends. So whichever safety is tasked with covering Mike Jacecki is my X factor because Jacecki is where uh, the Dolphins are going to be able to pressure this New England defense. And if they're able to move it to the tight ends, the New England's going to have to make adjustments and that'll open up weaknesses in other spots so that that's the focus that i'll have that's good yeah i think that's going to be a, a big question mark going forward all all weeks that there is a football season uh what they're going to do about those tight ends and receiving backs we talked about that earlier uh on our roster breakdown and I, I agree with that um for me I, i'm very curious to see whether the dolphins try and run the ball down new england's throat uh, whether they kind of use Jordan Howard and Matt Breda and, and they, they kind of use their, their their running back core to kind of grind up the middle, knowing they're not that big on the interior of the defensive line. And if they can get some penetrating yards and try to just really slow, methodical, back to Chad Pennington days of just like 25 play, 
drive that eat up so much clock uh, via the run game and these short little high percentage passes, uh, which is why I'm going to go with Lawrence Guy as my defensive X factor. Mm. I think he's the biggest guy in the middle. It's going to be on him to assign the blocking schemes and push the line one way or another to hopefully allow the younger, more inexperienced linebackers to crash the gaps or do what they have to do. Uh, I think it's really going to kind of all flow through Lawrence Guy, both experience and skill level. And if the Patriots can stymie the Dolphins running game, I do think the Patriots secondary uh, matches up better than the running game does. So if they can force Miami, Miami to pass the ball a lot, I think New England's got a great, great shot to win this one. Yeah, I agree, because the, the, the big weakness, I would say, on this Dolphins roster is their offensive line, too. So if Guy can win those matchups, likely against Ted Karras in the middle, that'll be a big win for the Patriots, and that's where New England's depth and strength at pass rusher will really come into play. So very curious to see how that plays out, too. Alec, broken down this game so far, do you want to get into predictions? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, I don't know. I don't think either of us predicted the Patriots to beat, uh, to lose to the Titans last year. So we'll we'll just call it even. Um, I'm a jerk, so I'm going to pick first. There's really all there is to Go it. Go for it. Um, all right. So Patriots hosting the Dolphins. Uh, again, this is such a, a crapshoot. We're basically in the preseason for the next four weeks. Regardless of what happens, I don't think I'm going to take anything away from this game beyond just what did I see in terms of development and early communication and whatnot. If they lose, it's not going to be that big a deal. If they win, it's not going to be that big a deal. So I'm not putting a lot of weight into the result of this game. Uh, that said, I think that the Patriots have an edge in talent. They have an edge in coaching. They have an edge in adjusting to weird circumstances, which this season has definitely been. And I do think that Cam Newton has so much to prove coming into this season versus a Patrick who's just kind of just hanging out and doing his thing for another year and God bless him. So I think the Patriots are going to take this game. Uh, it's not going to be a very high scoring game, but I think they do enough to win it. And they ended up winning 21 to 14. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I, mine's not too different from that. I, I do expect that the Patriots will win this one, uh, but I think it'll be closer than a lot of Patriots Dolphins games uh, that take place in Gillette will historically or usually be. And so I, I would say that looking at how they match up against each other, I think that this is the most evenly matched Patriots Dolphins game that has existed in a while. And that's admitting and acknowledging that the, the Dolphins typically take a game from New England every year. And so with that, I think that the Patriots are going to be able to win this one, squeeze it out 2017 on a last second field goal from Nick Falk. So Nick Falk gets called up for the practice squad. That's my not, guess. Not Justin All right. Interesting. Uh, we might not know until uh, 1259 on Sunday who the kicker is for the Patriots, which is also a very weird thing. We have no clue who the quarterback is, no clue who the kicker is. That's the first time that's happened since like 1996, um, which is pretty wild. But uh, this is a new era of Patriots football, and we both have the Patriots winning, which would be a nice way to kick off this season, however long it is. Hopefully it lasts all 16 games, and hopefully the Patriots are able to show some good progress some good growth and get us really excited for 2021 and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have all the breakdown at patspulpit.com. Excited to have some actual football this weekend. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later, man.